0: This is Michael Easley in Context. And now your host, Dr. Michael Easley.
1: For nearly 35 years, John Mays has been in the music industry. He's one of the most renowned names in the Nashville area as an A&R developer, now for Centricity, a respected executive working for Sparrow Word star song records before serving as president of benson records he discovered bands known as point of grace Cindy morgan matt Redman, nicole nordman warren barfield the passion worship recordings really passion that's your deal
0: yeah that's big well, medicine man I, uh louis and i worked on the very first one together yeah
1: you helped found centricity music in 2005 you signed and developed down here Jason Gray, Aaron Schust and current new artist, unspoken, and Lauren Daigle. You were seventeen years old, John, you started playing bass and you how'd you get connected in Christian music at seventeen out of a
0: Pentecostal background yeah. in Abilene, Texas? You know the one thing good you gotta say about the Pentecostals, they love music. <laughs> and I was playing different instruments in church by the time I was ten years old. Wow. and if you could get it in the car and get it to church you could you could play it there. It wasn't very organized. I developed a love for music through my church and uh would would play on Sundays, even write songs as a kid and you know they there was a little outlet in this little 200 person church. There was a Southwestern Assembly of God college in Waxahachie, Texas, and I think as a recruiting tool they would Host a a music camp in the summers, and my folks sent me to that in my sophomore year of high school. Met some guys just like me who were like, "I'd rather play than eat," which turned out to be prophetic. (laughs) You're still you're still doing that, right? You're playing with music, not eating so much. But uh, that's exactly what happened. We started a band as soon as we got out of high school. Didn't do college and suffered for a few years. And but eventually, one thing led to another, and that got me to Nashville. As a as a player,
1: you also yeah. co-wrote a song for Sandy Patty, uh, "Love in Any Language," uh, included in the CCM's list of 100 greatest Christian songs. That's not that's not a small deal.
0: Yeah, that was a long time ago. A
1: long time ago, you and Diane have been married 37 years. Yep, two adult children, Kelsey and John Austin, who are both doing great. John Mays, what in the world has happened in Christian music industry in 35 years when you started out? Mm. You're trying to get a song, a label to take the song, a label to take the band, right? Yeah. right, And that's all gone away, or mostly gone away.
0: Yeah, uh, it's so different now than it was when a label was the only outlet, the only way for people to get their music heard by the public. It was just a different, completely different industry so now when you can write record in your bedroom and have it you know available for mass consumption that afternoon that changes everything and of course it put the economy of the music industry in a tailspin about 1999 2000 when napster came along so the gatekeeper became a completely different idea where that's my role as an A&R person has been that of a gatekeeper in in one sense, that you are sort of a talent scout and you're looking for artists to sign. Now, artists don't need gatekeepers in in order to be heard, but labels still serve a, an important purpose. They, they still fund recordings, which are hard for independent artists, you know, to scrape up funds to record, and we distribute and market. We do a lot of social media stuff, so... It's We still serve an important role for artists. We get promote to the radio, which are very difficult for indie artists. Well, I was going to
1: say, that, that's the key right now, isn't it? you still got to get a song on terrestrial radio.
0: Without it, it's a non-starter. Uh, you can do all the social media in the world, and you might get something viral happen, and that might last for a month or something. But to build any sort of longevity with a career still you've got to have radio which is kind of amazing when you think about it that people can they don't really need radio but they still prefer it as a means of song discovery and local entertainment they still love it when we were putting centricity together which was oh five oh six and fortunately we got to dream and talk about now what would this be if we did it what would it look Mm -hmm. like why would it be how would it be different And something I said to the little team at that point was, whatever it is, it shouldn't be about radio. (laughs) Because radio won't be around in five years. If you can listen to music where you want, when you want, whatever you want, why would people listen to the radio? But you're right. The numbers are growing. When we go visit Christian radio stations, they are growing like crazy. And a lot of them are listener-supported. And people are donating more than they ever have. It means more to them than it ever has.
1: When you think back on uh, the changes, and um, obviously you and I have had these conversations uh, in our friendship, uh, Mm -hmm. but what happens for the Christian artists, and and we don't want to be simplistic to say right brain, left brain, or creative types, but, Mm -hmm. um, boy, the temptations for these artists, John... And that's part of your heart for working mm-hmm. with artists is trying to help them and shepherd them and almost pastor them in mm-hmm. some respects. The temptations um, for poor choices.
0: Yeah. You know, if, if I could look at it, which I've, I've come to do, like polar magnets. You know how magnets get polarized and you can push one toward another and it will push, push it, it, away it away rather than draw it. If you think about three polar magnets and one of them is art, creativity, It's something that's very important to this person. One of them is business, right? They want to make a living at this. And one is faith. Those three things, you put them together, it's a mess. But it's never going to get figured out. It's never been figured out in my life. It's just something I think for some people, God says, hold these things together. Embrace the tension of them. Someday you're going to feel like you're doing this to make your car payment. Some days you're going to feel the gladness of God over mm-hmm. what you're doing, the, His pleasure over what you're doing, and some days you're just going to uh, exalt in the pure joy of being to create something, being able to create something that wasn't there before. All three of those can stand alone, right? You don't need, they don't need each other. But in the industry, we're saying let's hold these together and live with the messiness of it. I think at church, we deal with the same things in some ways. Sure, there's, there's business and art. That's always been a mess. But you add faith into that, and you just got some problems. So, yeah, we work a lot to try to keep people in accountable relationships, to try to keep them healthy in their heart and soul as well as their creative life. But you just get a little bit of celebrity added to uh, that mess, just a little bit. And, you know, Christian music is no big universal phenomenon, but when I would say celebrity, I would mean you're standing on a stage looking down at people, looking up at you. Your words carry a certain weight, and you add the celebrity of that moment to that what's already hard to do and, and messy. Uh, you better have someone else in your life to walk with you, alongside you, try to keep you accountable or you'll spin out and self-destruct within a year. Mm. Now, if it doesn't work and you don't enjoy that kind of celebrity, it's got, that's got its own problems. In other words, if you release a record and it fails, that's a different set of problems. (laughs) Most that's the case, but for the few that succeed, uh, it can, if you don't have a mature attitude about your dependency on other believers and on other people, and especially God to sort of walk with you through this, it's a mess, and you will end up self-destructing. We've seen it happen a lot. You've seen it happen.
1: On the front end of the uh, ambulance, what, what do you do, John, to try and help these these young men and women yeah. from getting in trouble?
0: There's a well. First before we ever actually sign them, we'll sit down with uh, some expectations. These are sort of what we expect from you. We'd love to hear what you're expecting from us. It's amazing what that meeting will flush out. I bet. Right. Uh, but those, there's a set of sort of spiritual ideals there. And of course, business ideals and just personal, the way you live your life. Uh, uh, they're usually expecting things from us that we'll never be able to provide. Off, right, yeah, right. but that, that all gets flushed out. But once something is signed uh, and we are in this partnership together, you, you I know you know this name, Al Andrews, who runs a ministry called Porter's Call. He's a guy that's got his master's in Christian counseling. And he started this ministry as uh, a result of seeing what I just was talking about, Christian artists spinning out and you know, getting arrested and the, the worst kind of stuff that can happen because they don't have anybody to talk to. Pastors, I know, suffer from the same thing, where there's an expectation placed on your life because of the role that you, you're in. And you may not live anywhere close to that expectation, but that's where people sort of have you positioned. So you can't just talk to people and say, hey, I really have... Temper problems with my wife, mm. and uh was sometimes I rage at her. Well, no one in your audience wants to hear that, they want to hear the perfect kinds of and songs. You probably that don't written. need to
1: talk about that in front of your audience. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that probably wouldn't <laughs> but be some, wise, but some trusted folks.
0: So, Al is a guy who's trained to hear that kind of stuff and help walk people through that. So, the first thing we'll do is set them up regularly with Al who, we you know, we can't make them go, but we hope they respond to that and, and we'll go see a guy who they can talk to openly about what they're struggling with and who has good counsel for them. So they probably need to connect with some sort of small group attached to a church maybe, and so we'll work to get them in a, some sort of small group, assuming that they can't regularly go to church. and That's almost always the case. Sometimes we'll connect them with business managers because they're usually terrible business people. Mm-hmm. That just kind of comes with the creative life. You're gifted in that area. You're probably weak over here you know, on the <laughs> right. left side. It's about putting partnerships in their life, different areas of their life, would provide counsel, help, wisdom, fellowship, the kinds of things that they're not going to get as this isolated person out touring on the road.
1: There are uh, some young men and women, or maybe some middle-aged men and women, listening to you and me right now. They are good, yeah, gifted, play, sing, yeah. um, and they always have that, that dream in the back of their head. Wow, could I produce a CD? Could I actually mm-hmm. tour? Could I actually be a
0: star? <laughs> well, that's a bunch of different questions. Cause, okay, cause take they, my part. they can produce a CD. <laughs> <or at laughs> With least Pro Tools in their basement, yeah, right. at okay. least music. They probably don't need to do a CD, but to, to kind of a frustrating degree for people who do what I do, anyone can make music now and record it and make it available. Now, the good news in that is that the market decides, and most of that stuff is, is it's not purchased at right, least, you right. know. It's it's not popularized unless it's made fun of in some viral <laughs> video or, or something. Uh, so... That gatekeeper thing we were talking about in the beginning—you remove that, and the most mediocre stuff is right beside the good stuff. You know, the the more excellent stuff. So, you're depending on the public to sort of make the be the curator of that instead of a record label or an A and R person, and that's a problem. But we live in an age where uh, average people with average levels of gifting can be race to the highest levels of celebrity through social media Now it may only last for a few days mm-hmm. right but depending on luck basically or some doing something funny or whatever that would catch on so there's there's no um sort of mentoring of this gift that they have they're just kind of out there in the wild so yes they could become a star now without a label without anything and and i couldn't sit here and tell you that hasn't happened But for someone to build a long career, and when I say a long career, let's talk about Michael W. or Stephen Curtis, men and women like that who have been faithful for many years, you trust what they have to say and the way that they're saying it because they have a reputation now that goes along with it. They've got a catalog of songs that have meant something to you and Mm. during the seasons of your life, you've sort of leaned on some of that. To do that, uh, you need, uh, you need the gatekeepers. You, know, you need people to help you make your records, to help you write better songs, and that doesn't usually happen to the person who has the average gifting. Now the question becomes: How do I know right. if, if I'm average or if I'm above, above or, or below even? Because uh, it's very hard for people to be objective about their own creative work. Now, let right? me interrupt you there because yeah. uh,
1: I don't watch the stuff my family watched american idol and i just i don't have the patience for it but but the little bits i see i'm going do these people really think they have talent Mm -hmm. and you've got to see that all the Mm -hmm. time we have mutual friends in the industry as well and i ask them you know one individual and uh, i said how long does it take you to know if a artist is any good and it's about 10 seconds yeah
0: yeah if you're 15 years old and your mom is saying sweetie that's so good you got you got to let you know pastor so and so hear that uh, of course your family the people closest to you they can't be objective about it either you've got to get outside of that circle to get any sort of pro- professional opinion of the song or the way that it's performed and in essence that's what the american idol thing is supposed to be built on here are these experts right giving you their opinion of your value or your potential value as an artist but you and i both know those shows aren't about that they're not really about mentoring these people they're really more about the judges than they are anything and the celebrity factor of that
1: and the comedy on the front end of some of the nonsense right i mean oh yeah. yeah. yeah yeah entertainment, and
0: that's worked for them right so there's no reason for them to change that
1: so, so take a Carrie Underwood, um, when she fir- when you first heard her, yeah. she's got the
0: chops, right? Great singer. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There are a lot of great singers. Both quality. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, you're trying to get a gut sense of, is there something beyond that? Is there something special here more than just a person who quantify can sing that for great? The, quant- yeah.
1: the left brain, Michael Easley kind of person <laughs> quantify, um, what? To John is is a gut level, okay, there is a voice, there is a musician.
0: Yeah. Well, most of the time in what I do, it would have to do with the song as much as the singer. So, you know, in Carrie's case, they found a breakthrough song for her. She didn't write it, but when Carrie is singing Jesus Take the Wheel and it was produced the way it was, magic happened and the rest is history. So I'm looking for, is that sort of unique voice it doesn't have to be an amazing carrie underwood kind of voice it just has to be something that compels me right that makes me want to listen more and then is is that accompanied with something special that they're saying um uh madeline lingle said art is that which makes truth new all over again Mm. now that's a tough standard right Mm -hmm. but even in worship circles, we we kind of say the same things over and over again, sure. right? The same way. And, sure. they, and they, so they end up going in one ear and out the other. But an, an artist takes that idea and sort of flips it and says, yeah, but have you ever looked at it this way? Mm-hmm. And you go, I've never thought of that mm-hmm. before. It may, it's probably the same truth, but you've just never noticed it in that way. To me, that's an artist. And when I see a unique voice who's saying something that makes me want to pay attention or makes me think I've never thought of it that way before, or even the potential to write that way, then I'm interested. I'm excited about that. And you need to know, that's pretty rare. right? One of your Closer. close
1: friends in mine, Tony Wood, yes, sir. Who, who writes uh, songs for a living, lyric yeah. only, yeah. Uh, I asked him uh, some time back, as it can you, when you, when we when when you sit with an artist, do you know, is this young man or woman are that capable? And he, uh, you can see him rubbing his head the way he does. And he said, the challenge is when you're 19 or 20, you haven't lived much life. That's right. And so getting beyond whether they have talent, mm-hmm. you're trying to say that message, what's going to make me listen to that person? How often do you see a, a young artist who, I mean, obviously potential is a wonderful, ambiguous, overrated mm-hmm. word.
0: Right. Yeah. And it's, we have a big quote on our wall in our office that it's it's one thing to be talented. It's another thing to discover talent in other people, Mm. which is really what our, we feel like our talent needs to be. It needs to be discovering talent in other people. So sometimes you're just looking at breadcrumbs, right? That if you, if you would pour into this person, this is leading somewhere. There's a raw gift here that if it was organized and fed into and mentored this could really turn into something and sometimes you're wrong about that mm-hmm. you know but usually tony's right at 20 years old there's just not much to draw the well's not very deep Life to draw from yeah so tony sits in a room a lot of times with people who are just basically going Eh, I like that, or I don't like that. <laughs> That's not really good writing, <laughs> you know. That's giving someone your opinion. You're, yeah. And of course, at that age too, it's so difficult not to be uh, not heavily influenced by what's cool. Mm. What's cool is everything when you're 20 years old. What will your friends think about this song, this lyric, this music, this style? And to grow. Mature past that. Oh, that's such a blessing to get to do. But what's cool is is what sells. You know, it's what sets trends.
1: Andrew Peterson, love him. Twenty years uh, in the industry. He was twenty years old yeah. when he started playing. Just turned forty yeah. this year. Um, what is it about Andrew that works? Yeah.
0: Well, he would hold up to that Emily or or to that uh, Madeline Lingle standard of making the truth new all over time, again. He would hold up to. Him. He would hold up to that Madeleine Lingle standard of making the truth new for people all over again. If you look at the truths that Andrew's talking about, we've heard them all our lives, all our adult lives. But there's a lot of Andrew's songs that you would go, oh, just never thought of it that way before. Mm-hmm. That resonates in me in a fresh way. You know, Andrew is probably not the best example because he's just a guy who's— rarely prolific. He's turning out books, music, musicals, tours that are are pretty rare among even people who make their living in music. Uh, And he's just got, you know, he's one of the guys that God looked down on and went, you, I'm going to do this (laughs) for you. Uh, And he just, he's A faithful steward over it. He works hard. Well, I was going to say, we
1: we have another friend who writes uh, books, literature for a living, and he's on uh, well over 200 books he's penned today. Yeah. And he has these writers' guilds, not unlike what you're trying to do, helping young or or just new authors become authors, let's say. Yeah. And he he says, number one, you got to write to deadline. Mm Mm-hmm you gotta write every week all the time you gotta write you gotta get yourself in a chair, sit in front of a board processor, and you gotta produce yeah the creative mind has a hard time with that
0: perspiration over inspiration, yeah, yeah. right yeah most twenty one year olds it's hard to embrace that concept of i'm gonna write and finish a song today because one it might not be cool <laughs> two perfectionism <laughs> yeah two, it might not be up to my standard. But what they realize after a certain time, if I write three finish three songs this week, then in a in six months I'm gonna have a catalog of decent material. But it's very hard for them to see that far out, especially without someone's kinda of hand in their back, gently saying, mm-hmm. Keep writing, keep writing, it's gonna be in there. What if you change these two lines, put those in the bridge? That sort of just input and feedback into what they're doing. Uh you know, you might find there's gold in that mine. Mm-hmm. Uh and without the person's commitment to saying, I'm gonna take the shovel and go dig every day, it might never you might never find it.
1: Um, Nick, will you make a note we'll make a note here? I want to go back and talk about A and R. I meant to this at yeah. the beginning. So so John, what is an A and R person?
0: Yeah. A and R stands for artist and repertoire. It was a guy in the '60s named John Hammond, who's kind of the godfather of A and R. In the in the '50s, really, record companies were doing mostly uh, show tunes, classical music. Then there was a little bit of popular music when Elvis and Buddy Holly and some of that was starting, but that was kind of new on the scene. So John Hammond is a guy who's going to clubs in New York, and he's seeing billy Holiday, and he goes, "That's." That needs to be recorded. People need to, that needs to be available on a recording. So in that sense, he was a talent scout. Then he would bring Billy into his office and say, of all the songs that you played, I think these are the 10 that people will respond Hmm. to the most. These are the ones that most identify you as this artist that I see in you or that you want to become. So the A part is kind of the talent scout, the artist part where you are working with artists, trying to discover them, trying to nurture them, then the art part is the repertoire. What songs are going to get recorded to go on this collection? Ultimately, I'm responsible for who records and what they record at our company.
1: John, Christians in local churches um, are subjected to lots of music. And um, even in the church we fellowship in, we have a, yeah. a joke about that's not fellowship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we've got yeah. our top 40. Whether you're a church with a choir and orchestra or a church with gospel music or all points in between, yeah. um, what would you say to the man or woman in the pew who's got his mental arms folded and says, I don't like this music. Yeah. I don't like that contemporary Christian.
0: Yeah. What would you tell him? Well, first of all, I would tell them I get it. I've been that guy before. It's very difficult to not to bring your own personal preference right into a worship time because you get to use your personal preference every place else. You know, you, you decide what kind of music you want to buy, listen to every other part of your life, but not a church necessarily. You can't
1: change the channel or uh, <laughs> or skip that song That's on right. your playlist. You
0: can walk out, I guess, and we've probably seen that. But. uh, Beyond that, then I would gently try to say, but this really isn't about you and your personal preferences. You know, church, fellowshipping together, there's so much to gain in that hour, both with fellowship with other believers and the instruction from the Word. If you don't like the music, then just sit through the music and find out what else is there for you to Mm -hmm. gain, because I promise there's something better Then if you can find a way to kind of do that, you might be surprised how a song might hit you Mm. at some point. If you just open yourself a little bit to the different kinds of expressions that are out there and what the church is trying to do, trying to lead you toward opening your own heart to God, uh, you might find that that happens even even if it's against your personal preference. But even if you don't, if you never get to that place, I could— speak for our church and plenty of other churches that I know of and and would trust to say there's still a lot of good to come to you in that hour and to your family that's beyond the music you're never going to go to a church where you like everything that goes on
1: the thing for me John was looking past the style and getting to know the individuals mm-hmm. because I got to know those men and women who mm. played and maybe I don't like an instrument or a style, but I know that man or woman, and Mm -hmm. he loves Christ. She loves Christ. They're trying to use their gifts, talents, and abilities to lead me in worship. And once I got to know the players, Mm quote-unquote, it was a lot more engaging to say Mm. those men and women are doing their best to lead a congregation or a group of people that have got all types of style and preferences. Mm-hmm. It just helped me a lot. That's Even today good. when yeah. uh, one of the songs may, okay, we've sung this song 86 times this yep. year and I don't care if I ever hang it again, but you know, I really love that guy, that gal. I really love their heart yeah. for the Lord. They're trying to lead me in worship. That's right. And it helps me a lot.
0: Well, and I can speak from the other side. Uh, as you know, I'll occasionally be on our worship team and to, to look out at that congregation and realizing that you're bringing some gift that God gave you to love and serve this body and uh you know you've shown up and practiced and, and in some ways you've worked your whole life on this moment mm. you could say you know you've you've practiced you've been become the best that you could be to give this at this moment and you look out at that congregation and you see Mr. Ice Bucket out there, oh, it is, it's really tough. And I want to say I've been Mr. Ice Bucket out there. Right. I, I get that. But, man, when you see somebody that their heart is just open to I'm what's engaged. going on, they're engaged in the moment, I'm telling you, it, it is a ministry that they don't realize back to the people who are trying right. to lead. that's beautiful when that
1: happens. I I talk in bell curves. This is a bell curve out here. There are people Mm -hmm. that don't know anything about worship or Christ or God Mm -hmm. or community. And there's people that are smarter than me and more knowledgeable than me and living, quote, a better, close, quote, Christian life. Mm -hmm. And that's the body. And to go, wow, what a privilege to lead, to teach. And uh, I appreciate your comment. Mm -hmm. I, I was recently challenged by someone who said uh, when you when you teach do you preach that this is your last message mm, mm. and it was very convicting cuz you know you, you the perfectionist in me goes not nuts <laughs> trying to land that sermon and i used to have the thing on the top of my sermon notes what are you trying to do these poor people? <laughs> 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 their marriages are struggling. They're, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And you know, what, why are you talking about it? They don't care about that. Teach uh, them something from that passage that will help them. And I guess where music transcends definition.
0: Yeah, it, it can speak in a language that English stops short of, right? Mm-hmm. But in much the same way, you've given so much of your life to be able to come to that moment And bring something that's worth their time, right? It's valuable. It's valuable to them. It's not just someone standing up there rattling to hear themselves talk. So if somebody's sitting out there and they can appreciate, what someone is bringing, who's leading that moment.
1: The other piece I would add is encouraging those folks in your mm. local assembly or artists. That you know, just encourage them, not criticize them or discourage them to say, you know, it's, it's neat to see how God's using you. Mm. You know, it's so cool to see this. And I think that goes, you know, it's just like the old adage with marriage. If you encourage your spouse, he or she may change. You criticize them, they won't.
0: Mm.
1: Well, we are short in our world on encouraging musicians, all of us, to say, hey, God, God's wired you in an interesting way. How do you exploit that for good, using yeah. that gift? John, as we, we mentioned earlier, there's some listening to you and me, and, and they've got some talent. They've got some mm-hmm. interest. They've got some gifting musically. What would you say to them? Yeah,
0: obviously all of Jesus' parables have lots of layers, and they're uh, complex in ways that we're still peeling back some of the truths. In the parable of the talents, I love looking at those three guys there's the first guy who takes what he was given and buries it. <laughs> and obviously, you can sort of hear his heart in the in the parable where he comes back to the master and says, I didn't want anything to happen. This is, I know you're a peculiar master, so look, I, I buried it. It's just like you gave it to me. And it's no good for that guy, right? Mm. So you got the other two who one was given less, one was given more. But they both went and made more with what they had. I love that. So when they come back, they obviously pleased the Master with what they brought back because it wasn't about how much they were given. It was about what they did with what they had. At least that's one layer, I think, in that parable that, that we can take away. So are you asking yourself, what am I doing with what I've been given? Because I do think people gifted in whatever area— That will be something we'll be accountable for, right? What did you do with what I gave you? Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, our culture has set this standard that this is what success means for a musically gifted person. You're Justin Bieber, you're Katy Perry, whatever. To start in the purity of going, where could I use this gift I've been given? I'll tell you, Michael, I've been in nursing homes where someone has sung a song at someone's bedside and you talk about life-giving. You see it, their facial expression just light up. What a beautiful thing to do with a musical gift. To me, that guy in that nursing home room is being a faithful steward. He's making more with what he was given, right? He's, in a sense, bringing it back to the master and hearing the master say, Well done. Now, let's see if you will continue to be faithful. What does that next step look like for you? And maybe you don't know. Maybe it's just you continue to do that thing. But to ask that question of your musical gift, what should I be doing with this in a way that it shows good stewardship, it shows faithfulness to what I think I've been given, and I know from what Scripture teaches that it pleases the Master for me to go and make more with what I've been given. I think People asking those really simple, basic questions in the beginning don't have to worry a lot about making a living at this someday or the celebrity issue that might come along or, as you said, being a star. Those kind of things you find that most people who have been signed and successful, they'll tell some part of their story that's like... a. This is where I totally backed into it. This is where I met a guy on a freaky conversation <laughs> on an airplane, right? And you look, you step back and see God totally sovereign over all that. But it started with just a real gentle faithfulness and a commitment to be a good steward over what they've been given. I hope anybody that's listening that feels like they have some musical gifting will find a way to express it faithfully, even in the smallest way.
1: And, and that's universal where yeah. music, teaching, serving, giving, leading, um, that yeah. that parable is, is one of my favorites as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the what the way I expand on that is God's not asked me to be successful. He's mm-hmm. asked me to be faithful.
0: All right. And that, that parable just demonstrates that in exactly. such a great way. And
1: I, I often wonder if there had been a fourth guy that had five or 10 and invested it and lost it and mm. came back. Yeah. And said, you know, Lord, I tried and I lost it. And he goes, yeah, it wasn't very wise, but here's three more.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You get that (laughs) sense, Yeah, you do. You still did the right thing. Right. Yeah. And
1: and I think that's where we're perhaps afraid in in any of our use of gift towns ministry. But for me, the knife edge, at least, is dealing with pastors largely and leadership, is it it can be about the individual Mm. more than about the master.
0: Yes. And you wonder... Like, I I know a girl who, she's probably in her mid-30s now. Since she was in her early 20s, she has done music therapy for special needs kids. Mm. And I always wonder, like, through the lens of eternity, who's going to get the reward? What's that going to be like when she looks into the master's face and he says, well done. Look what's happened Mm -hmm. in these people's lives because of your faithful diligence to show up every day and use what I gave you. Man, that gets powerful.
1: John Mays, Vice President <laughs> for, of a for Centricity. Thanks for coming by the studio today. I loved it. Thank you, Michael.
0: If you have questions or comments, please let us know at michaelincontext.com. Follow Michael on Twitter at Dr. Easley. Thank you for listening to Michael Easley in Context.